And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello out there and welcome to Jurassic Pod. My name is Eric Corrine. Joining me, as always, my colleague, my friend, my pal, Holly McKenzie. Holly, how you doing? Hi, doing uh, doing a little better than last week. You? Uh, it's been a week. It's, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we have a... Uh, Hopefully we don't get in too recappy of a mode, but uh, there is terrain to cover. Uh, since Listen, we last Raptors spoke fans to you. will be just fine with you recapping, briefly recapping the events of the past week. Yeah, so last time we spoke to you, it was uh, O2. Raptors <laughs> had gotten blown out in Philadelphia twice, one uh, lost by 20 and then by 15. Uh, and it got worse. <laughs> uh, their performance got better, uh, but they lost game three in overtime, 104 to 101. You know, missed free throws, missed jumpers, missed assignments on a Joel Embiid oh. game winner. Uh, we can and go what a game winning shot it was. Yeah, like no matter how much <clears throat> the Raptors screwed that up, it was still uh, very, very cool and impressive to see a seven-foot dude spin and fire a three, and that guy, by the way, has torn ligaments and is shooting thumb. Uh, So, uh, pretty impressive feat of basketballing, uh, that that shot, Uh, even if the Raptors screwed it up, which they did in a few ways. Maybe we'll get into it, maybe we won't. It it happened a while ago now, so uh, it only makes sense to belabor it so much uh, (laughs) with their... Backs against the proverbial wall. They uh, played for pride, Holly, uh, and, and won 110 to 102, forcing the series back to Philadelphia when the Sixers were going to obviously close it out and, you know, in front of a raucous home, fa- home crowd. And they did not. The Raptors, with their best game of the series by quite a distance, uh, win by 15, hold the Sixers to 88 points. Embiid, Harden, and Maxi all probably with their worst games of the series uh, in that one. Uh, certainly, certainly Maxi was mm-hmm. the least dangerous in that one, as they appeared to uh, be sort of daring him to drive and not giving up the threes. And, and he's very fast, and he can make you pay with that. But the Raptors' defense is sort of on a different level, and I think that's probably where we have to start compare like just big picture compared to what we were talking about last time the headliner has to be the defense right yeah definitely absolutely um also we should quickly mention uh without getting super deep into the injuries that the raptors were essentially without fred van vliet for the last two games the two wins uh fred left the uh, second quarter second quarter of game four with a hip injury, <clears throat> walked off the court, ripped his, jer- his jersey. You knew something was not good, not well in that moment. Uh, it was a hip injury. He didn't return 
He did not play uh, in Game 5 in Philadelphia, and he is listed as doubtful for... Yeah, for Game 6 on yeah. Thursday. And, like, when he spoke to us on, on Monday morning before Game 5, he without ruling himself out, he basically ruled himself out for the series. He, he you know, his, co- his comment was basically, if we can get into the second round, I'd feel really good about my ability to come back in that series so and and on the uh, surface you would be really worried about that like you if you said oh the raptors will be without fred van vliet they're all-star uh disaster but when you look at the version of fred that we've seen in this series specifically defensively since we're talking about defense and that's i'm 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 looping us back to yeah i I see where you're going i see the path yeah (laughs) you see the vision yeah (laughs) Uh, it hasn't been all bad for the Raptors. In fact, (laughs) uh, they've really found something defensively. And yeah, uh, Precious Achua. Yeah, and let's not get it twisted. Like, the Raptors are better with Fred Van Vliet. Yes, of course. The thing you can argue (laughs) is the Raptors are better against this team without an injured Fred Van Vliet, like the, the version that was trying to play through his myriad injuries, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. which we know include a knee injury, which we know now includes a hip injury, uh, and we don't know what else there is. But, you know, he was not not that this is the world's greatest crime, but he couldn't stay in front of Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, pretty uh, much the, uh, like yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. most difficult assignment Fastest yeah, player probably in the league, yeah, I would it's say. like one, you know, <laughs> if you're going to pick guys, like maybe Ja Morant is a worse, a worse assignment. And then it's like Maxi. He's right there in terms of, you know, certainly in terms of guys who aren't primary on the mm-hmm. ball, like dominating guys, you know, trying to stay with them as he catches and drives. My God. I, I And you're rotating back to him because, you know, you're playing at a, team defense that <laughs> requires helping a, a lot against Joel Embiid in particular, but also against Harden at times. And so you're rotating back and, and you're trying to, you know, go from moving to stationary in mm-hmm. front of your man and your man happens to be the fastest kid alive <laughs> to, to quote Officer Michaels from Superbad. Like, <clears throat> it, it, it's, I, it's uh, tough. I have to tell you, I read your piece and... Yeah. You quoted that, and I had no idea what that was, so now I know. Well, that's why I included the link. I didn't uh, click the you, link. I don't have time uh, to click links. I just, I'm here mm. for the for the words, not the not the jokes. Yeah. Um, Holly well, McKenzie, not about fun. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I know. That's, I have to bring the fun to this podcast. Um, but, you know, so let's, in game three, the Sixers score 104 in overtime, Game four, they score 102. Game three down, game five down 88 to 80, 88. I don't have the points per possession in front of me, but you know, that's sort of the way it seemed is that this defense is getting progressively better. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that Embiid's thumb issue has a lot to do with that. We've, we've certainly seen him turn the ball over and, and look, you know, Unless he's getting a deep post paint post touch, he, he looks a lot less effective operating from, you know, the elbow or even the three point line. It's been less dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this defense is collapsing and recovering and collapsing and recovering. Uh, and sometimes if it's precious Achua on 
you know, on Embiid on the perimeter, or if it's OG Ananobi, my God, on James Harden <laughs> on the perimeter, like, there doesn't have to be collapsing because those guys just aren't getting beat. Yeah, it's pretty cool to see, like, we've talked all season about Precious and the improvements he's made, but to get to see it all kind of come together right now in the playoffs against a team where his defense is so needed. And then you mentioned OG bringing OG up too. I think when the Raptors first, you know, the trade happened and Precious came here, everyone knew he was really young and he was still a raw player with a lot of talent and tons of upside, blah, 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 blah. He's still crazy young, uh, but you see, like you mentioned OG and he's not getting beat. Neither's Precious. You kind of see that vision of like, oh, this is this is the the vision that the team that the the front office was having when they when they were putting this team together. Yeah, like it's great if if you can switch everything, but what if like you just don't get beat? Yeah, And to focus on Precious Achua because I think when you think about Game Five. It's, it's also just first, really cool to have a player that can guard Joel Embiid and James Harden. Yeah, that's neat. like it, uh, that's, <laughs> it's a it's a bonus. <laughs> um, but what I really liked about Game Five from Precious Achua, and I think like after Siakam, he's probably the first guy <laughs> I'll think about when I think about that game. Uh, is Ken Birch did like a really good job to start on Embiid specifically. Like the the physicality, you could see why he was starting on him. Mm-hmm. He picked up his fouls, but like Embiid wasn't getting those, you know, deep paint touches. And Achua came in and replaced him, and those paint t- touches in the first quarter came for a bit. And as the game went on, they just didn't. And whether that's like him doing his his fighting in the post or, or for positioning earlier, whether it's Embiid tiring, which he certainly looked to on the defensive end, certainly uh, in the third quarter that, you know, I, I think you talked to pretty much anybody and that was the worst stretch of Joel Embiid's defense uh, in the third quarter that we that I've seen in the last three to four to five years. And I'm sure that people who pay more attention to Sixers uh, would probably say something similar. Uh, But back to Achua, like he adjusted and kept the energy level up and kept, you know, using his advantages against Embiid, which are speed and agility uh, and just an ability to at least, like when he does get it into the rim, like at least contest vertically, Mm -hmm. he's using all those things and that's not to say he's doing it himself. He's uh, he's certainly not. And and Embiid, when he shoots, is still scoring uh, pretty damn efficiently. But those opportunities, uh, I think he only got to the free throw once in the four, in the second half of game uh, of game five, which is huge. Like that, we had that was six free throws total. Yeah, and that, as Nick Nurse said, after like the Raptors won the free throw battle in game four, they lost I think twenty to thirteen in game five. Mm-hmm. But in general, those are like numbers that not. I mean, even the game five number, like that's sort of what you expect based you can on work these with teams' that. <laughs> profiles. Yeah, yeah, you that I think that was. Nick Nurse's actual quote. You oh, can really? work with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. I, I'm not positive, but it was, it was certainly along the lines of that. And that's a credit to the whole team, uh, but also Precious Achua. So, like, what's is there one play, one moment, something that will that stands out about Precious's play over the last few I games? Do, that, I don't that know if there's a moment, but it's kind of similar to what you said. It just feels like over the course of the game, his constant presence 
and constant contesting and constant challenging. Like, like he's making everything difficult. And as the game goes on, I mean, I think regardless of what happened this series, Joel Embiid's going to get tired. Most players get tired as the series goes on, you know? But then yeah. he also has this injury. He's having to play huge minutes. They could barely rest him in the second half. In, in yeah, the he, got, he got two minutes off. Uh, yeah. and that stint is usually closer to four or five. Uh, yeah, so off. they're having to keep him out there longer. And just the fact that they're making... I say they, and I do mean they as the team, but specifically Precious, is making him work so hard and making everything so difficult for him. I think it does tire tire him out, and it is making it more difficult. And not that it's going to deter him away from wanting the ball or taking shots. or You know, like, he's still going to be Joel Embiid, but I think that you're really seeing um, just his efficiency going down. Not at, like you said, he's still very efficient. Yes, but it's making him tired, and you're really you're really seeing that on the defensive end. I think. Yeah, I mean that stretch where OG Ananobi dunks on him, uh, not on him. That's a bit strong, but g- goes by him and dunks. Uh, Precious had two layups, I believe. Mm-hmm. I, I think Siakam got a layup, and somebody else drew a foul like that. You don't see that, like Joel Embiid. Like, is one of the best defenders in the NBA and one of the most impactful defenders in the NBA. And, um, he's also you know, the leading scorer and he finished with and 20 points. And he's also the leading, yeah, he's like, the leading he scorer in the NBA. Finished, and he finished 20 points in, in game five. Like, you can really see the toll, I feel like, um, that attention is taking on him. Yeah. And so let's, like, zoom out. Like, Precious Achua is part of the reason. For the season, you know, like for the Raptors, like part of the reason is to get this guy who you think you hope mm-hmm. is going to be part of your future is to make sure he's contributing. And, and just like, stop and think about the beginning of the season. Oh, yeah. That's, I, <laughs> Especially I mean, yeah. offensively, like think about where he was. And now mm-hmm. like to look at the player he's becoming and the player he has been in this series. It's kind of wild. Like it's yeah, actually like, kind of wild. Maybe he's you get one people, of those. He's uh, making okay. guys have to come out and guard him. He's making guys have to not let him be open at the three point line. <laughs> like he's, it's wild. I wouldn't have believed it if you would have told me that at the beginning of the season. Yeah, and maybe like there's one of those mistakes a game. You know, the the free throws are the free throws at the end of game three, and uh, you know it happens. It sucks, mm-hmm. but it happens. Uh, but like the mistake. Like, not only is he playing well and playing impactfully, but just the mistake percentage is going down. It's, you know, that's not a stat other than turnovers, but, like, he is maybe still a bit of an adventure off the ball on both ends. But, you know, on the ball on both ends, he is a lot, lot better. It's a good adventure. Yeah, uh, more often (laughs) than not, yeah. Um, And like you said, like, so much of this season has been about getting reps and opportunities and moments and experience for players like Scotty and like Precious. And this is huge for him. And it's really cool to just get to see him taking so much advantage and kind of in a way, just like proving what, like what the front office was excited about in him in in live time. Let's maybe not judge trades uh, the minute they happen or don't happen, as was the case with. Uh, <laughs> and and I sort Kyle of just Lowry mentioned, trades. I sort of just mentioned him, 
But uh, if you heard that beep, I'm sorry. That's my mom texting me, just asking if the Raptors play tonight. No, mom, they do not. <laughs> <laughs> She's asking me this every day <laughs> since uh, since game five. You uh, should just uh, share a Google calendar. Oh, and, and she her... has the link to the schedule, but she just like, it's her, you know, I think it's yeah. just like, anyway. No, mom, they play tomorrow. They play on Thursday. Yes, yes, which is tomorrow. <laughs> Today is Wednesday. Uh, Scotty, sorry, I lost my train of thought. We yeah. mentioned this season, the reason for this season being getting Precious and Scotty time and seeing what they could do. Uh, since we last spoke to you, Scotty Barnes. Yeah, he's back. Big Roy, big Roy energy, baby. <laughs> I added the uh, energy. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and they've needed him, like especially with Van Vliet leaving. Like, yeah, like, he got to win the Rookie of the Year award, get get uh, presented the award, and also return to the floor, which is crucial. Yeah. I mean, I know he was. I wasn't at the game in Philadelphia. You were on the broadcast. It definitely did look like he was limping quite a bit at the end of the first half, and then a bit in the yeah. second. That's when but, I, because that was right in front of me at the end of the first half when yeah. he was limping, and it it. It was the first time I noticed it, and uh, for what it's worth, Nick Nurse said he thought he came through practice on Wednesday pretty well, uh, and obviously Scotty wasn't going to say, he's like, yeah, I feel some pain sometimes, but it's fine. Um, What else was he going to say? Right. Uh, But, you know, let's just talk about the basketball for a minute before we get into, you know, the, the deep, deep specifics. With Van Vliet leaving, like, they need another guy to set things Mm -hmm. up. And especially if they want to stay big defensively, they need this guy setting things up. And I thought, I mean, I think he's clearly lacking some of the offensive burst uh, in terms of create. Like, he had a a few plays in Game 5, I would say, but, like... His assists in Game 5? Yeah, well, yeah, we'll get there, we'll (laughs) get there. Um, Okay. (laughs) So, like, in terms of, like... What's different about this guy from his peak performance? I would say that's it. Like, there's just mm-hmm. less burst to offensively to get to the rim himself. But, you know, just the the ball handling and the passing with the load that Pascal Siakam is carrying, and don't worry, we'll get to Siakam, who's been awesome. But, like, that is just such a huge thing for, like, a half-court offense that's actually functioning half decently better than in the I'm sure I haven't looked at I haven't compared the numbers but I'm sure their points per possession in the half court in this series are better than it was over the playoffs so that's that's pretty good over the playoffs I'm I'm guessing uh we don't need to fact check that right now um but but yeah like Scotty yeah on the glass and creating uh it's been much much needed Mm -hmm. uh and yeah, you wanna you wanna talk about those back to back assists? Uh, yeah, in uh, transition fourth, fourth quarter, uh, the Philly crowd all night had been like in and then extremely out of the game. Like it was very much like they're cheering, they're loud, they're out of the game, they're booing, they're back, they're cheering, they're out of the game, then they're booing, then they're booing, then they're not really there, they're pretty quiet. You know, like it was very, it felt very drastic swinging from TV. I don't know if it was like that in person. Uh, so I had I had earphones in because the uh, earphones I had earplugs <laughs> in because if possible like the game operations was louder there than wow. at Scotia Bank Arena. Uh, so like the cheering never seemed that loud to me, okay. but that could have been 
the earphones, like the booing seemed constant, or not constant, but like It definitely like seemed prevalent. more noticeable yeah. than the cheering, I feel like, like more intense. But yeah, it but just the, felt the thing oh. I want to, sorry, I want to get to what you wanted, wanted to talk about with Scotty's assist, because when he threw that first assist, which I believe was to Thad Young, uh, it was right after the Sixers had cut it to seven or eight in the fourth quarter. And like Tyrese Maxey was like asking for noise at that point. Like, I don't think the fans obliged him to like the level you would hope to for as like a home player. Like, you know, I always go back to 1992 and the, and the World Series and Dave Winfield wanted noise from the the notably, you know, sort of stayed Toronto fans. Uh, but, you know, we've we've heard that, you know, Raptors crowds get really, really loud at points. And again, I was wearing earplugs. I can't say for certain. But that was like when Scotty Barnes came up with those two assists, the first to Thad Young, the second to look. I'm not going to call it a no look. But I will. It I was will call, his. I no, will it was call Scotty's it, uh, patented no look. It, it was a look away alley yeah. <laughs> pass to uh, Precious Achua. Like those. That was that sequence was you know maybe just, second maybe second like, yeah maybe second behind Siakam's pass to OG Ananobi with like three minutes left uh, for the re- mm-hmm. for the three pointer. Like those were in my mind the two big moments of the game of like. Is this team, are the Sixers going to make a real run or not? And like those two, that, I guess those three baskets were the clearest answers that no, they're not going to make the that Scotty back to back and just the way that he did it. It was so like signature Scotty. It just felt like it sucked everything out of that arena. Not that though, not that it was like crazy, crazy before, but it was just like the final, like the chair was pulled, the rug was pulled, whatever you want, whatever the saying is. Like, you know, it was just like, Okay. And then the and then the um OG play was like, yeah, we're done here. Like see, yeah. you know, I don't know where you're going. I'm going back to Toronto kind of thing. Kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> but um, yeah, no. Uh just classic Scotty and the, the no look look away. Whatever you want to call it. It, yeah. it works. But it shouldn't because you know exactly like everyone knows exactly what he's doing. And yet Oh well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the looking away had anything to do with completing that pass. Well, I, true, I don't think. I don't think so it caused like the Sixers defender any hesitation. But you know, like an alley oop to Precious Achua is going to work on a two on one or whatever. The it's just the, the extra regarding. thing. Yeah, no, like, it's just... it's the panache. It's the showmanship. It's like, it, you know that that stuff matters. Like like it's a, it's it, it you know you love to see it. <laughs> I guess is, is my way of summing that up. No, it was awesome. Uh, I did know one thing that kind of surprised me about uh, game five. Yes, I, I keep forgetting which game we're on. Yeah. Uh, just, I, I don't know. This doesn't really fit with what we were talking about, but it did surprise me that um, the Raptors only had three offensive rebounds in that game. And I know they shot like 51% from the floor. Um, but I that was something that I was kind of wondering, like with Scotty, like, because you mentioned like his burst being gone offensively and things like that. I do kind of see think we're noticing that um, on the offensive glass, just like the little plays that he normally would be there for being quicker than anyone and, and you know, being there. Um, yeah. 
I don't think he has that, but it doesn't even, I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but like the amount of good that he has been, he has brought since returning has, it's been huge, especially as you mentioned with uh, Fred being out. And then I know we mentioned Scotty. I really quickly just wanted to mention that Gary Trent also is back, has been great um, and looks like himself again. And he said after game three, um, which obviously the Raptors ended up losing, but he said he felt 100%. He said he lost eight pounds in Ugh. the week of being sick. Yeah, not not good. Uh, he felt terrible, lost eight pounds, was weak, tired, all of those things. So, like, if you were watching game one and were like, what is going on? That's what was going on. But to hear him say he felt 100% and how badly he wished that he felt this way in game one, again, woulda, coulda, shoulda, doesn't make sense to go back in time. But it is interesting just to think, like, where would we be right now had Gary... And Scotty played the first two games, had Thad not gone out with a with a thumb injury. I know the Sixers could say the same thing with Joel and his thumb injury, but it's just For something sure. to think about. The Raptors look like a completely different team with Gary and Scotty. Yeah, and uh, the int- the I, I'd say if we're looking at matchups, the interesting thing about Game Five is you know it was sort of the first time fully healthy Gary was mm-hmm. might have to contend with with Matisse Thibel and for one Thibel spent more of his time on Ananobi or and Siakam and two uh that leash is short uh yeah. because that was almost to that was like self parody of what people say about Matisse Thibel like a zero on offense and like but him you know, and I know his like, only the, basket was was a tipped in by Precious, Precious Achua. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but like defensively, he was really impressive. And like his him on the outside of his own, like denying entry passes, mm-hmm. uh, great. But if he's, you know, I, I would assume if there's a game seven, he'll get at least a short look to see if he has a few shots in him. But that, you know, he's not going to play much. I would, I would guess in game seven. So that's not as much of a factor as we thought it might be. It's also just a weird situation, series. like for him to only be oh, playing yeah, certain but, games. It's like, you wonder how that affects it, but whatever, that's another. Yeah, another, yeah uh, you, you can eliminate some of the variables if you choose. And if you choose <laughs> not to, uh, well, I here you go. Feel, I feel less inclined to uh, discuss them. Uh, precious for the bucket. And anyway, I did, again, we mentioned Pascal playing well. I think one of the biggest things, well, two of the biggest things for me, I guess, uh, after game three, when he was scoreless in the second half, correct? Uh, he certainly he certainly went out for five. Uh, whether scoreless on the floor in the, yeah, yeah, yeah. In I the don't second. remember if he had a free throw or two, but he went out for five in the second half and overtime. Second half and overtime of game three. That was game three. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I saw you taking the drink and was like, he's not going to be able to correct me, so I'm just going to try to extend this. But that was game three. Yes. After that, he sounded really surprised after the game. And I think the next day at practice, when someone asked him about it, like, I don't like, he sounded like he was unaware that, you know, he didn't yeah. have a lot of shots. No, I agree. He hadn't yeah. made any. And he responded in a huge way in their next two games. He's been awesome all around. Uh, in their game four, he had 34 points, eight rebounds, five assists, a steal, and two blocks. Um, in the game five, he had 23, 10, and seven. But I think one of the things, like, obviously that's so important for the Raptors, but one of the other things that has just been really impressive to me is with Fred out, he has even more responsibility, um, 
offensively and taking care of the ball and setting people up and you know his minutes also he had played 44 minutes in both of those games i don't see the, that coming down at all <laughs> i think they're probably going to go up in yeah. the in whatever's to come uh but it's just a heavy an even heavier load than what he was carrying before which was already a pretty heavy load um and he has been awesome yeah, game four was amazing. Like, I don't have much to say about it. Like, everything was working. Game five, mm-hmm. to me, excuse me, was almost more impressive because he didn't have it going at the beginning. He was not finding, mm-hmm. like, the soft spots in the in the defense. He, you know, they weren't able to create as much spacing. Because, you know, Van Vliet was out there to start game four and, and whatever you want to say about him, like he does give you more spacing on the floor and, and it allows, you know, you to get going a bit more and find your comfort of the game. Game five, that there w- there wasn't that luxury. In fact, Ken Birch started uh, along with Scotty Barnes and, and moving from Van Vliet and, and Birch to Birch and Barnes, like that's a huge downgrade in, in spacing. And he didn't get started great. And he was just so patient with the game. Mm-hmm. But the difference between patience and passiveness, it, it's like, it, it's, it's something I don't want to oversimplify, but like, that's where you see the experience of Siakam and not rushing it. Mm-hmm. And not forcing it, but also not deferring. Um, and, and like, and almost especially in the wake of that happening in game three and him seeming really surprised by it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, and, and part of it, like, is maybe like Fred going to a certain degree, Fred going out is like, okay, there's no options now. Like, it's, it's, I need the ball, mm-hmm. you know, seven, 80% of the stuff is going, in, is going to go through me. Like, like OG will have his occasional possession. We'll run our occasional, you know, series of pin downs for Gary Trent. But, you know, for the most part, everything is working to get Pascal the ball in an advantageous position. And he can't afford to do that. But like, he had seven assists in game five. The Raptor, you mentioned that the Raptor shot 51% in that game from the field. They shot a little for a lot from three. Um, and, you know, when I when you mentioned the offensive rebounds thing, it's like, you know what? Like, for a team that shot 51%, there were some offensive rebounds to grab in that game, and they really didn't. Mm-hmm. But that's because, you know, OG Ananobi shoots two for nine, and a few of those are wide open. And, you know, without deep diving the, the video for everyone, like, that could have been a playoff triple-double pretty damn easily for, for Pascal Siakam. And he... Uh, the most in- impressive stat for me in from Game Five is uh, Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes combined to play 41 minutes in the in the second half, and they turned the ball over zero times. Yeah, and, I figured that was where you were going to go because it's crazy. That, that is like the Raptors are a low turnover team, but against like. A pretty good defense mm-hmm. with a you know one of uh, certainly a great defender to turn the ball over zero times, like there is something to be said about just limiting your mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, like like that's not what the Raptors want to rely on. I don't think like they want to get more out in the open, but in the absence of totally being able to control that, they really made the right decision so often whether or not it resulted in an open three or not and like i don't want to say like the raptors could have blown him out because the sixers also missed a ton of threes like that mm-hmm. sort of canceled <laughs> each other out but 
uh, what a, you know, long story long, Pascal Siakam, uh, <laughs> that was some of the most mature decision-making and game management that I've seen from him uh, since I've started watching He him. just seemed to get better as the game went on. Like, it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't easy in the beginning, but he just kept finding his way through um, and making the right decisions. And yeah, it was, uh, it was really impressive. And especially like with Fred going out um, just, you know, not with an injury that like us on the outside, when he went out, I think we first assumed it was probably his knee, but just, you know, this hip injury just pops up. He's out, snap your fingers. Suddenly it's all on you, Pascal, in a way, you know, and uh, he has taken it in stride. And I just think that's really impressive. Yeah. And like, I was pretty critical of Fred and Pascal after game three and, and it wasn't like personal. It was like, look at their numbers in the series. They're not good enough. And when you add Pascal's, you know, his bubble and his year in the past, it, it's fair to have doubts about this guy. I don't think that's hating on him. It's just like, look, this guy's recent track playoff track record is not great. And he's in a new position than he was in 2019. And it's fair to wonder about that. But, you know, you don't want to, at some point enough is enough, but like, you don't want to close the book on somebody as talented as he is. And, you know, whatever happens the rest of the way in the series, uh, what Pascal Siakam has done in the last two games mm. uh, should serve as a reminder whenever we have this conversation again, and I'm sure we'll have it again um, because that's just the way things work. But this guy is capable of truly, you know, excellent playoff performances in not only the number one role, but in the number one without, a, you know, playoff tested number two which mm -hmm. is damn impressive. Before we get too far away from game five, uh, you asked about the fans and I, I was just, Chris Boucher had a very entertaining scrum today. And uh, Kayla Gray of TSN asked, uh, she saw that he was talking to the fans a bit uh, and Chris Boucher, uh, so what What did Chris say? And, and Chris said, I was just asking where they were going um at the end of the game uh, when, when the fans were when they left that was the implication uh, that he said i feel like a lot of their fans when we were going to the bench they were talking reckless to be honest with you if they would have won that game i bet they would have said a lot of stuff fortunately we did me and precious had a good time talking back to them um uh, so uh <laughs> and you saw i think you saw precious uh sort of asking for the crowd to be uh uh loud on, on Thursday for game six. And I, I don't want to, like, this isn't a, again, not a Sixers podcast. Uh, I understand the Sixers' recent track record. Uh, and I don't want to, like, tell fans how to behave unless there's some truly vile crap going on. And I didn't, I didn't see or hear any of that. But, like, if I'm a 76er and especially because we have that history, uh, or when I say we, I mean Embiid, Doc Rivers, James Harden separately, <laughs> almost, yeah. um, have that history, and you go up 3 nothing in the series, and it's the first half, and you're down like 12, do I need to hear those boos? Like, it's a bit early for my tasting. Like, I'm not even, I know you're, you know, 
very against booing the home team. Like I, I'm, I, 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 I know I have like, I don't recommend it, but like, I'm also not like opposed to it on some moral or, or fundamental level, but you really want to start when you're, it's, you're up three, one in a best of seven and it's the first half. Like that seemed a bit, that seemed a bit damaged. That seemed a bit damaged to me. Like that. I would probably agree with you, except it's Philadelphia and this is what happens in Philadelphia. No, I, I get it. (laughs) But like maybe like, Again, I don't want to tell fans how to behave, but like maybe examine what you're doing and like try to, you know, you're asking these players to grow and you're asking these oh, coaches wow. to grow. Well, like maybe, you know, the the very, you know, the infinitesimal percentage of the of the of what you control and like obviously Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers and James Harden have way more to do with the outcome of game 5 and game 6 and game 7 than any of the fans do but you know you can try to rally them like the Warriors fans often do when their team is down 12 or 14 rather than you know booing when James Harden misses a three i don't know that's just me that's just you i'm leaving you here on your island what, are you worried for my safety in Philly if there's a game <laughs> no. seven? No, I'm just focused on the Raptors and their fans. That's where I am. Yeah, and like I I just thought that like I thought that stunk a little bit. Um but I'm sure Raptors fans had a good time hearing it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily with twenty four seven US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Um, We mentioned, Chris, I just really quickly wanted to say, I don't know if you were able to notice this in person, but the last two games, uh, there have been close-ups on Chris and I, the only word I can use to just, dis- or the only term I can use to describe him is locked in. <laughs> like his face, his body demeanor, his body language. Like I can't even tell you how much Chris Boucher wants this series so badly. Like he's stepping in, he's getting charges, he's doing, you know, whatever he can. But just like his entire demeanor is so locked in <laughs> that it's just awesome to see. The really, like, a very basic thing about Game 5 is everybody who played a meaningful minute played, like, at average or above average level for them. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, even if you take, like, sure, OG could have hit a few more shots, but his defense was awesome. Uh, they really wanted you, it. They you, came you go, you go to I, take it. Yeah, you go down the line and there's, like, Ken Birch. Like, it's hard to find him minutes in this series, but, like... Those minutes, especially in the first half, but I thought even in the second half, were like good to very good for Kem Birch playing Joel Embiid. And there wasn't a hole to find in the rotation. And, you know, how do you win a series against a team that's more top heavy than you? 
or how do you win a game? Forget a series. Uh, that's how. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you just have every guy step in, you know, the cliche is be a star in your role. And not that every guy was a star in his role, but they were at least good in their roles. And, uh, speaking of that, before we, I, I think we'll get away from individuals after that. Thad Young has been <laughs> just s- sensational, you know, after. he's just been he's just been really good like being asked to guard Embiid quite a bit um they're hunting mismatches with Harden on on Thad and not like he's defended every one of those super well but like neither Embiid nor Harden is a good matchup defensively for Thad Young (laughs) Thad Young is a good defender, mm-hmm. but like he's more more in like helping than in uh, either guarding the best post player in the planet or like guarding one of the premier passers in the planet. And he has like made them work enough. Mm-hmm. And on the other end is just like uh, I asked Chris Boucher this, but I'll just in- invoke it here or evoke it. Still haven't determined where we're coming off on that. Um just some Mark Gasol shit in the half court with like, you know, the bounce passes, uh, especially within the zone as he like flashes to the middle and, and really turned the the Sixers zone into something pretty ineffective over mm-hmm. the last few games. Yeah. He's been awesome. I mean, I don't think that any of either of us would have expected uh, the chem- immediate chemistry that he seemed to have with Chris Boucher. Uh, but all around, he has just been he's just been giving something every time he's on the floor. And I feel like that sort of goes to your earlier point. It just feels like the Raptors are not making, like you mentioned, not making anything easy for the Sixers with his defense on Harden and Embiid. I think that's the that's been the difference in these past two games, is just the Raptors are being aggressive from the start and not aggressive in the gonna pick up a bunch of early fouls, but they're making the Sixers feel them and and making and and making their presence felt like they really are just going harder at everything and i i was i was not shocked um in game 4 because obviously you're down 3-0 you kind of like that's you're either going to come out like that or the series is going to be over but i have to say i was surprised with the amount of fight the raptors had in game 5 not i wasn't surprised with the amount of fight the raptors had i was surprised with the lack of punch back that the that the sixers oh, had in game Holly, five. like be- beautiful we don't even have it on the rundown and this is one i want to ask about because you know the vibes <laughs> based on the fans, but based on, you know, all that history we alluded to are not immaculate in Philadelphia right now. There's a, <laughs> there's a clip going around of Doc Rivers defending his playoff record and how he wants the whole story told. Uh, Joel Embiid, this, at one, at both times, like I think too much was made of this and not enough when he was, he was saying that, James Harden needs to be more aggressive, but that's up to coach. Like, for what? Like, I don't think he's really wrong, especially given Embiid's injury. But, like, you just don't need to say it. Like, like that's... And we've also been down this road before where he has said those exact same things. It's not my job. It's the coach's job. And I get it. He's right. But you don't have to say it. And you especially don't have to say it at this point of the series. Um, 
I have a tangent conversation that we can go on for a bit. But but uh, James Harden also obviously like shooting better from three than he is for two in this series. Did He's you been... know that OG oh and Anobi has more points scored in this series than Harden? I did. I saw that graphic somewhere. Um, okay. I didn't. But... I didn't realize that. And I saw the tweet last night and I was shocked. It makes sense. Like when I stop and think about it, of course it makes sense. But... I didn't I didn't expect that when the series started. Yeah, uh this I'm just scrolling through my my tweets and people have stopped retweeting it. Yesterday this would have been very handle, handy, but <laughs> it's something like when OG is on James Harden, there've been like 105 or 110 possessions something like that and and the Sixers have scored about 75 points in total, which is awesome defense uh and i you know you don't you obviously that's not just og on harden that's a lot of things but uh that's a it's a good place to start uh it's a good place to start for og ananobi um but i i've been pretty vocal i think on in this series and in the past i don't super believe in momentum in a series i i I believe, even though this series has like started from total Philly, like mm-hmm. absolutely Philadelphia, and almost in a you know direct arc switched like slowly to more Toronto. So like, if you're ever going to believe in momentum, this is the series to believe it in because it's just like slowly gone. Maybe not so slowly, but it's gone steadily without incident in the other direction pretty much maybe like the only hiccup was like the moment Joel Embiid had set shot in game three um but but in general that's the direction it's going but how much do you think this stuff matters the ephemeral history stuff that like is made of you know talk shows talk about it nonstop Mm -hmm. we know that's not what the x's and o's of the series is about but how much how much does it matter i guess i think it matters because it matters to the sixers you know i think if they didn't care like i think when the raptors were down 3 games to 0 and all of the talk at that point was a team has never come back from 3 games to 0 it's never been done it can't be done blah 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 after that when nick nurse had his press conference i don't know if it was after the game or the next day you can clarify but he said so three and oh has never been done before take it one game at a time get it to three and one three and one has been done before yeah. and it's kind of like a joke you know like just, then it's, just, it's, just it. a, it's a it's just a shift of perspective right, right? but like, i feel yeah. like the raptors really believed that like i feel like they really dug into that and believed in that. And then when you heard Fred talk at the morning shoot around of game five, when he said, you know, a lot of people don't believe in, the, don't believe in us being able to do this, but I really do. And if, you know, he, when he said the thing about, I'll feel good if like, I feel like I would be good to play if we make it to the next round. Like he was very clearly just talking, like we believe we can do this. I think that when you believe separately from the outside it doesn't matter you know so no matter what people were saying on the outside that didn't affect the raptors and who knows what will happen in game six and beyond but they managed to you know turn this into a series again because they weren't affected by it but if you look at the sixers and the history that they have and all of the conversation is happening even the way like you mentioned doc talking about um his playoff record what he said at the end of that was i forget the exact 
phrase. I wish I had it in front of me, but it was like, it was like, we just have to do it. And then we don't talk, then we won't talk about it anymore. But it, but it didn't sound like it was, yeah, we're good. Like it's not a concern to us. It was, if we do this, then we don't have to talk about it anymore. As he was also trying to like, Defend himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, like it definitely felt like it feels like a more of a more of a thing that is affecting that fan base franchise. You know, and again, maybe they'll come out tomorrow, have a killer game, and the series will be over, and that'll be that. But I, I think with momentum, I usually like you. I'm not a big fan. I don't. I just don't think in the playoffs that it holds up the way that people think it does. However, when you have the histories. Um, that 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 team and some of the players do. Um, I think it just depends on how the the team and the players and the coach uh, approach it. I guess is the right yeah. word. Yeah, and, and you want to know what it really might matter is Game Seven if they're losing by ten. Like, like yeah, no, uh, like for in sure, that arena, sure. like I would with your with like, your fans with booing. my fans. Yeah, <laughs> my fans, they're mine. Um, <clears throat> quick sidebar before we get to game six sorry that was really long-winded but do you know what i mean like, i do I know what like... you mean like okay I, I like the one thing is like they're asked about it they have to address it so like but you know it, it, we're not the only people saying that like everybody who has covered the sixers not everybody but a lot of people are just like yeah like the raptor uh, uh, the raptors are need to make the sixers think about it and, and I also thought it was the interesting. Sixers are firmly thinking about it now, and they have to confront it, which maybe it's the best thing that will ever happen to them, or maybe it will be terrible. Like, like The, I, the, I the think Raptors the, are a Joel Embiid last second three-pointer heave away from the series being tied right now. Well, so there's that. that that game still would have been tied, but I take your point. Yes. Well, sorry, would have been tied, but I I a feel precious like a free throw. Let's say sure, away. sure, yeah. sure, sure. So very, very, very easily could have been a, a tied series right now. Coming back to Toronto with a game with the series tied yeah. after game five, Doc. I, I'm pretty sure it was. It had yeah, it had to have been game five. Doc was asked about his team, and he said something that was like, I wish I, again, I wish I had the quote in front of me. This is why I should print these quotes out. I didn't plan to go down this because it wasn't on the rundown. Anyway, he basically said to the, something to the extent of, I just feel like our guys didn't bring it the past two games, yeah, but they his, will. And his, it was like, yeah. okay, but when you're up three games to zero, when is the switch gonna, like, why did why did you flip the switch off? You know. Yeah, and I keep like I've thought a lot about that Raptors Magic series from the title year, and mm-hmm. these Raptors are better than that Magic team, so that's part mm-hmm. of it. But mm-hmm. like the Rap, you remember the start to that game five at home? Like the Raptors just stepped on. This them. is done. It's yeah, done. Yeah. And there is whether it's Embiid's thumb. Whether it's Harden's attitude, whether it's just the team's vibes, whatever it is, and it's probably, you know, a little bit of some and a lot of some of that, Mm -hmm. like in different proportions, but like, I don't think the Sixers have that. I mean, again, without predicting game six. Yeah. Is it not crazy to you that there's a game six happening in Toronto on Thursday, 24 hours away? And it feels like it's not an elimination game. It absolutely is. Like, I absolutely know that. Well, yeah. This is what I'm in the process of writing. Like, the Raptors are in, like, 
Again, might not matter, but like they're in like the way envi- more enviable pressure situation. It's uh, like and the, that's hilarious because they lose and their season is over. But yeah, you know, it's, they, and and no one is. It's not like we're not unaware of that or saying that it won't happen because it very well could. Joel yeah. have a great game. It could, but it just feels like the most low pressure game six I've seen yeah. from Raptors fans on the and, outside. And as Ida Maria once saying, expectations oh, no. are such a drag. Um, quick, quick, quick sidebar, uh, because I said <laughs> I didn't love how Embiid handled that hardened bit with, you know, the aggressiveness and, and deferring to Doc Rivers. Mm-hmm. Let's like consider top 15, maybe top 20 players, like bona fide superstars in this league. How many of them are also like awesome leaders, like ninety-five to a hundred percent of the time? Like, like, let's count them out. Uh, start, Steph. Steph and Giannis are like the only two no doubters I can come with. I think Lillard is probably on there, and then it gets tricky. I think Demar's a great teammate. I'm not sure he's top fifteen to twenty, but. This year he was. I know was. what you're saying. I know this what you're year saying. he was. Okay. But I, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. he is a great teammate. But You putting but LeBron on there? No. <laughs> he like he's too bad when things go wrong. No, like, I was that he, was I was yeah, yeah. I just wanted your reaction. I wasn't Like I think that. that might be the list. Now and now like maybe John Morant is on it. There's not enough of a sample size right now. Like who else would you rather, you know, fight with? Like, you know You're not gonna put the you're not gonna put the Rudy uh, Donovan Mitchell tandem on there? No, I, th- I think I'm going to pass. You know, Jokic <laughs> might be on there. Uh, like, I, I Yeah, Jokic heard- is always really, like, really good with, with crediting his teammates and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, my, it's my interesting. Po- it's an my interesting point is it's a, short, it. it's a short list because, like, yeah. there are so many sports in which, like, the best players and their leadership are conflated. I put DeJounte Murray on that list. I don't know where he fits no, in he's not. A, yeah, he's not in the... Like, cause like Fred's on that list too, right? But like, I don't think Fred is a top fifteen player, and I don't think Dejounte Murray is a top fifteen player. So, well, they're both top fifteen in my heart. So I know, on I my know, list. but but <laughs> you you have forty five in your top fifteen in your heart. So I I, I get probably that. twenty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I know what you're saying. Yeah, for sure. It, it's yeah. it is a very special. Uh, combination when you when you have a player that and even some of the guys i mentioned like have taken crap for how they carry themselves before i just think like they're sort of unimpeachable at this point about their leadership Mm -hmm. and my my only point is that the list is very very short um and there are more like stars and maybe this is just the product of basketball and we scrutinize these guys and think we can psychoanalyze them too much um but it's there are just more basketball guys whether it's lebron whether it's like you know, certainly Kyrie, but like Kevin Durant's like brand of like kind of aloofness, and I really did like. You, Kevin did you Durant, hear Kyrie's quote about about the, how about the media and, scrums? Uh, oh, no, he, about, he, about and, he and, and Joe Sai, yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna are co-manage gonna, are the gonna team. Manage the team, yeah. Yeah, um, but Harden, another one, like, you know, people tell I just love when people call Kevin Durant Kev. I'm sorry, it's like my favorite thing. Me and Kev. Um, it just makes him sound so cash. Anyway, I don't, Kev, the point Durant. is, I don't want to make it seem like Joe Allen Bede is off on an island as like the worst leader ever. 
here. Hey, man, it's really hard to have all the pressure on you because you're an amazingly talented player. And it's great to have those accolades and, you know, you want the ball and all of that. But then when things don't go your way, that's often all on you, too. And sometimes it's probably pretty frustrating to be like, I can't control the other four people who are on the on the court with me. You weren't you weren't criticizing him you were yeah just i just like that's what it made me think of and i was like a bit surprised how short the list was um that's all games game six <laughs> what are your vibes vibes are cool i'm sure i'll be a wreck when the game starts like every 2-0 run will make me my stomach lurch but uh feel a lot better about game six than i did about game three um you? Yeah, I, I definitely had to convince you uh, of reason why the series could change. Yeah, you definitely did. <laughs> and uh, maybe that's why I'm so chill, because I'm just like, well, I've already like worried and stressed and was upset. And, well, hey, it's 3-2 now. So just, that's it's just a, a lesson not to get stuck in a moment, especially during a playoff series. Because uh, these things, as my psychiatrist always says, nothing stays the same. <laughs> Everything's always changing. Um, Listen, man, coaching the NBA, you got to be level and and uh, even keeled. Never get too high, never get too low. I hate when NBA players give me that cliche but when I'm interviewing them, but it's true. It's a cliche for a reason, and I would be a terrible NBA coach for many reasons, but most of all because after a loss, I would think the world was ending, and my players would absolutely feel that. So, How high on the list of uh, cliches is it's a cliche for a reason? pretty high (laughs) (laughs) it's a top five cliche um what's your favorite playoff cliche i know will and alex at the will lou raptor show were doing like playoff yeah yeah no i i saw that like it's not a series it's until the the road team wins is is probably the best one yeah yeah Yeah. uh, or the road team wins yeah like that's a that's the makes no sense because like in this series. That game only, yeah. Like, that made it 3 nothing, And that, in theory, again... Is the ended, series. Ended the <laughs> series. So, like, it was... The moment they won, it became a le- less of a series. So, like, it, it, it's my favorite cliche because it's actually, like, demonstrably not true. I understand what it's saying, but, like, it does not hold up beyond, like, the first 3% of, of like... And also Thinking the home the home team doesn't need to win on the road. It just needs to win its home game. Yeah, yeah. So does the home like, team I, could lose a, every yeah. road game and still win the series. So. Yeah, does did that series never begin? <laughs> it didn't happen. <laughs> if yeah. a road team doesn't lose, did did, did Yeah, if a tree falls lose? in the woods, I I, I I see what you're trying to do. <laughs> uh, um so I'm predicting I hate to do it. A Philadelphia win. I think uh, Joel Embiid is going to have a monster game. Yeah. Um, but I also thought that uh, Philadelphia was going to win game five. So you sh- shouldn't take this uh, that seriously. Um, do you want to put your thoughts on Yeah, I'm on predicting the table a Raptors win, but uh, I'm worried about James Harden. I don't know if that is just my, like... Well, he's a very good player, and he's been pretty he's bad in the player. last, in the last few games. He hasn't had a great series, and I, I do, I obviously, I think Joel will give everything he has, but I, I feel like if there's a player that may break out, that's sort of where I'm like, ah, that would be bad. Uh, but yeah, I'm still gonna say Raptors win. Um, 
I have to be honest. I don't know how much of that is my heart and how much of that is my brain. I know. They're twisted right now. We've talked about that throughout the year, how you, I think you're sometimes predicting things that you don't But really, no, this time I'm being, like, this time I'm telling you You're being open about it. I understand. Yeah. (laughs) I wasn't not being open about it before. I I think you just weren't fully uh, counter, like, encountering it. Um, And the, the magnitude of the playoffs is really making you more aware of how much you're feeling. Um, I'm feeling too much is what I'm feeling. But yes, I I think that there will be a game seven to talk about next week. Um, well, we'll probably talk, won't talk to you before game seven. And because game seven takes place on Saturday, it's not next mm-hmm. week. Um, but we will talk to you after the series one way or the other. Um, yeah. Hopefully it's to set up a series against Miami. That'd be neat. Ugh, Although is your heart that ready would be for neat. that? Also, get well soon, Kyle. Is your heart ready for that if it happens? Absolutely. My nerves are steel. I'm I'm great. Because, you know, before the regular season ended, you were, like, swearing off any potential series between the Raptors and Miami or Chicago. Yeah, I'm over it. It's fine. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's sort of the attitude of the Raptors, too. Uh, bring on, Bring on game six. Should be fun. Hope everybody's enjoying it. I hope uh, you guys enjoyed this podcast such as it was. Uh, Holly, as always, thank you. Thank you. And uh, we will talk to you at some point in the intermediate future. Thanks for listening. See ya! As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.